Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson for the Lotto Sudal 2022 season preview. We'll also include the recap of their 2021 season and some of the big problems that they're facing this year literally fighting for their team's survival this show as always is supported by our show partner lacole who have their lacole project 22 challenge on at the moment if you ride for a total of 250 minutes in january you receive a 50 pound reward for use at lacole.cc if you share those rides one lucky completer of the challenge will receive their entire 2022 kit by winning a £3,000 haul. So if you want to check out that, through the link in below. And thanks to LaCole for supporting the podcast. As a reminder, and not for all, for all teams, we won't talk about this too much. But for this team, it is extremely relevant. The relegation system, how the UCI World Tour licenses are on a three-year cycle and... Uh, assuming that Arkea will apply to be World Tour, uh, that means Lotto, where they stand now in their cumulative UCI points from 2021, they are 20th in the relegation zone below Arkea. And if that remains the same in 2022, if the positions, etc., they would be losing their World Tour license. That also assumes the UCI actually go through with this. So, what do you see the problem here, Benji? Because obviously a lot of people say, well, the system is flawed, and I agree, it is flawed. But even teams that ignore this, like Movistar, who don't, they have no sprinters cleaning up easy results, they're still really safe. So it's to do with the team also just not performing generally as well. I think that's true, but I think there's multiple factors to it, and I think the Movistar example is a different one. So the way to get UCI points relatively doably is to either hunt in 1.1 races which is basically the uh not world to races not pro races but the third tier of races one day races those give a lot of uci points or position one to ten in world tour races in gc i think that's where movistar gets their points getting yes. second in the Vuelta, getting sixth in the tour de france a lot of Huge. points Lotto Sudel does not have GC riders. As a consequence, we don't see them in the top 10 of GC. I think they slowly hoped that Van Hooke would become a rider that could potentially get points like that. But that's not the case here. And as a consequence, they don't get points from a top 10 GC. Now, when looking at their calendar, they're riding a lot of 1.1 races, but they're not getting many points in it, really, compared to a Cofidis Arkea those teams who are focusing completely on those races as well, also for their survival in the coming year. So the question now is, which of all these teams is going to be able to focus on both 1.1 races or races with a lot of UCI points and potentially have a rider here or there in a top 10 of a World Tour race to gain more points than the others? And looking at the team of Lotus Hotel today, we'll discuss it. It's not looking great. That being said, I will actually go back a little bit on my 
previous comment that the you know the system is really flawed. Lotto won eight World Tour races this year, including two Giro stages, and obviously Ewan crashed out of the tour midway through his first sprint attempt. So without him going to the welter because he was still recovering, they was sort of confined to two Grand Tour stages, but they got close with Van Moor. And that's a lot more World Tour wins. That's probably more World Tour wins, Benji, than Intermarche, Cofidis, and Arkea combined. And yet this team is is struggling for their survival and they're ranked 18th this year and I think 17th last year. So... Yeah, but... That's the reality of it, though. Yeah, I do agree with your previous point, though, that the system is broken, but the team should have been aware as... Once it's publicly brought out that a points system is changing for the UCI points and there's a relegation system being implemented, you probably need to pay attention to it. Now, we've said before that it's not very transparent. You said it in your video about it. He has a video about it on his main channel, the Lantern Roost channel. And that explains that there's no website or something by the UCI with the rankings on it, for example, dedicated, right? Exactly. There's no website. They do get Teams do get sent the rankings by the UCI on a frequent sort of basis, but apparently they're confidential. But yes, the it is, well, first of all, Lotto changed two of their longstanding uh, DS or managers, uh, Marc Sargent and Frison, were sort of let go is a better term. They, their contracts weren't extended, I think is how it worked. Yeah. They brought across Alan Davis, the Australian, I think to work with the sprint squad and... Yana Seal, who obviously with Vino coming back <laughs> uh, was leaving Astana, she's come over to Lotto and Sheree Pridham as well, I think, has come over from Israel's startup nation. So a lot of changes at the top. That being said, Benji, the man who's been there throughout this entire two-year cycle and the year before, Jean Lelong, like it's the buck stops with him, like sending you into Valenciana and Balwaza when, like I get it. You can't send you into every tiny race. It's, it, it's, it's stupid. Like, what are we doing here? But why is he not doing shelter price? That's a big Belgian one-day race. That makes sense for their sponsors. Why isn't he doing Eschborn Frankfurt or other races instead of doing like Valenciana is the worst sort of race he should be doing. So I think the buck also stops up with John Lelong and... I think it's a shared responsibility. We don't know what the hierarchy is in the team and which responsibilities are given to which role in the team. And as a consequence, we don't know if John Lelonge is perhaps the guy that took care of most of the business side while he kept the performance aspects all on the sports directors. We don't know that aspect behind the scenes. Not every teamwork works the same way. So I don't know what to say about it behind the scenes. I don't know how they work behind the scenes. Three riders that performed well. You have to say Ewan was the best sprinter in the world, uh, again, which is good, and they have the best sprinter in the world. They even extended him during the year. Wellens uh, did not pick up a World Tour win, which is you know, a man that wins a lot. He did pick up Etoile de Bessege, GC. De Gent took a World Tour win. Krohn took two World Tour wins in his Neo Pro year. I believe he's a Neo Pro. He is coming up from Rival, so that was incredibly encouraging for Krohn. And Van Moor looks incredible as well. And he sort of got robbed of uh, Ron van Limburg as well, going the wrong yeah. way. Uh, but the problem is, Benji, as you said, GC and Gilbert, who's probably the second highest paid rider, he's sitting on a big salary 
and this was his second year, uh, 38 years old, 39 years old, and he didn't perform. Dan Cole didn't really do what they needed. He's gone. And, yeah, I think how would you, excluding the point stuff, just forgetting the point stuff, thinking about actual cycling yeah. for a moment, how would you evaluate the season given that, you know, Ewan's crash was unfortunate? When it comes to the 2021 season, I think we said at the start of the season that a lot would depend on Caleb Ewan and as a consequence, if he crashes out of the Tour de France and his Vuelta run is not happening, then it's not looking very good for him. And as a consequence, the team is not in good papers when it comes to their victories that they potentially expected. Because if you focus on trying to get a stage win at each Grand Tour, you're probably going to be looking at more than three even if you have Ewan at every Grand Tour because I don't expect him to leave after every time he does the first stage win. He's shown it at the Giro where he won two, for example. So I believe he could have gotten that actual achievement, winning at every Grand Tour, but the injury took that away from them. So that's a hit for the team. Now, I do think that the likes of a Tim Wellen should be getting more. I'm looking at... we. Spoke about Kron getting those two stage wins at Catalonia and Swiss. I'm going to be honest, I kind of expected more from him in Grand Tours because we called him for every stage and it didn't end up working. So it would be weird for us to say that he got the stage wins in Grand Tours that we expected him to do. But in all honesty, I think since he was the one that arguably performed one of the better of the team, we cannot look at that as a weakness, really. I think we're looking at a lot of injuries. a lot of I think a lot of riders had COVID on this team as well. And Matthew Holmes also didn't perform to its standards, in my opinion. No, when we saw he sort of broke out and beat Richie Port on Wollonga Hill in 2020, and we just, he didn't score a UCI point this year. And I guess Tehan took the Catalonia win, but in, you know, by his own admission, was not really competitive in breaks in the Tour de France. And I would say, Benji, the lead out for Caleb wasn't great either. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it's, it's certainly no quick step train. And that segues. I think Han van Hocke took ninth at Paris-Nice. Um, Holbe Holsen's sort of got the boot and he's gone to Intermarché. So van Hocke encouraging, Holsen's less so. But yeah, that, that segues that Ewan point into their transfers. So Holsen's gone, as I said. Herben Thaysen gone. A, a man who I think Intermarché are like thinking that can pick up a fair few points in Conti sprints, as well as old Dani Benji. Are you surprised to see those two go who I would be looking at as potential point scorers. I would definitely say that those two could definitely take points because they've proven it this year as well. We see that Oldani picks up points at Gran Piemonte, for example. We see that the likes of Akerben Tyson is picking up points on Omlopon at Houtland, getting 40 UCI po- 70 UCI points in that race, 85 at GP de Fumi. I think both of those could have earned points in this team. But if I'm Oldani and I see that I've got an option of going to Alpecin, a team that is on the rise, while Lotto Sudal is on the uh, descent, in my eyes, looking at the last couple of years. I understand why he chose to go to Alpecin. Perhaps it's a choice of these riders themselves and not necessarily For sure. not, not necessarily that the team doesn't offer him a contract. That makes sense. Uh, I should also, I can't believe I didn't mention Florian Vermeer second at Roubaix. Yeah. But that was pretty good. Not gonna like <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Marcinski, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the pole, uh, the veteran retired. John Denkel went to DSM after a sort of a tough couple of years at Lotto. But again, 
Denkold can clean up points if you put him on the right schedule. I said that on the DSM preview. And Tosh van der Sander, who I don't know, was he injured at the start of the year, Benji, or or was he just not not very good because he came on really well at like Brussels Classic and some of these GP de Volney races at the end of the year. Honestly, I'm not sure, but he did indeed have a, a good mid-season and end-season because he was part of all those 1.1 classics the races were looking at and him leaving to Jumbo Visma. I think it's once again, not necessarily because they couldn't or didn't want to keep Tosh van der Sande. I think he would have been very valuable for this team. But I think if you get an offer from Jumbo, if you're Tosh van der Sande, you go to Jumbo. For sure. So I've mentioned the Ewan Sprint train now. They This was announced a long time ago. Well, not that, like in 2021, Rudiger Zelig and uh, Michael Schwarzman are coming from Bora Hansgrohe, who were the lead-out for Pascal Ackermann. That lead-out and Ackermann obviously completely disintegrating in terms of effectiveness during 2021, and that was well-documented by Ackermann himself, and I've heard rumblings uh, from people in Germany uh, that, that said their relationship, like Ackermann, just out on that lead-out train. And I've reviewed it myself to say see if he was talking shit to cover his performance. And honestly, he was kind of right. Like you look at the amount of – if you compare where Ackerman was dropped off sometimes, just incredible where he was left. And then, you know, even Deutsch races like Deutschland Tour, Schwarzman was pulling out of the train. He was going to be last man. And before he'd done his turn, when he's like five riders deep in the draft, he just pulled out of the train. And then Zelig left, had to be last man, left Ackerman on the front. He still won, but he had to do a 22-second sprint, which at world tour level against top guys, you you don't win that. So I, I just don't see these guys as being a good solution for the lead-out, Benji. That's just my opinion. Me neither. I'm going to be honest about that. Zelig had good years in the past where he was a good lead-out. We can't neglect that. But I'm just not seeing it as a solution for Ewan because we got to keep in mind that the competition is a quick step train. And if Zelig even performs half the way that he did at his peak years as a lead out, then I still don't see him compete with a Merku and so forth. Now, is there a solution for a lead out? Who do you think could be a solution if, you, if every rider outside of the quick step train was available? Who would you want as lead out? for this rider i I'm, I'm asking a very difficult question i'm aware oh as as, as last man Jonas Rickard or okay. Tennyson yeah okay that's R- Rickard, Tennyson. Call. Yeah. yeah they're they're fucking good but yeah. Rickard five-year deal five-year extension and <laughs> in Phoenix it's unbelievable yeah. I think Zelig I think Zelig can still be a solid second last man I, I think he's still he's still fine Schwarzman I don't know if they plan on using him as a lead out I saw in some of the releases they'll what he was saying, I would assume, yes, but he was talking about sort of himself as like a lighter sprinter that can get over some hills. Um, so they do have Jasper de Boist. Roger Kluger was – the UAE tour was a mess. They were trying to figure out which of those two would be the last man. They've got Harry Sweeney coming through, Benji. So let's go to the other signings now who might, might even fill in that role. They brought in Sweeney. They brought in – uh, Alan Davis, the Australian, they've signed Jared Drisnes from Hagen's Berman Axian, who's a quick boy, 22 years old from Australia, from Adelaide. At Flanders tomorrow tour, he came fifth in one of the stages. But he's not got like knockout U23 results by any stretch compared to like the Van Dyke brothers or Madame Van den Berg or Arno Delis, 
who's another man they've signed, Anadoli, young Belgian. He looks really good, actually. Yeah. 19 years old, one, one GC at Tour of South Bohemia, two stages Tour of Alsace. He looks really, really good. But oh, there's a big ask, Benji, to say to Jared Drisnes, you need to be third man in the Tour de France train of Caleb Ewan, and I don't see it for Dali. Like, Arnaud Dali, you should be sending him to, like, Crow Race and Tour de Hungary, right? I think that Arnaud Dali is indeed a sprinter that you need to build up as a sprinter and not force into a lead-out role. I think that I heard something or read something that Drisners could be part of the lead-out indeed. And to be honest, they might as well try it at the start of the season. For sure. Because you won't know until you try it. Now, I do expect them to trust more on the experience of Zelig than test out Drisners first time. But I wouldn't wait too long to test out Drisners to be a part of the lead-out train. Yeah, I think... Maybe try it, but yeah, it's, it's tough. You've got also Cedric Bullens coming in from Sport Vlandren Balwaza. He's 24 years old. He came 12th at Eschborn Frankfurt, which means that he's not slow. He's, he's not slow. So again, maybe they're thinking he can be lead out. I don't know his, ah. his profile exactly. But it, it, listen, his results, Benji, he's just not that good a rider, frankly, 24 years old. I, <laughs> I think he's a, a bit of a cobbly guy, and I think he's going to form more into the cobble squad. I think he can be supportive on that terrain. 47 at RVV is not a bad result for True. a guy that is now going to a World Tour team for the first time. So that means that he can get a top 25 in the coming years, perhaps, and slowly build that up. I don't know if his sprint is good enough to be part of a sprint train or something. He got that ninth spot on that Tour of Norway stage, that Mess Pedersen one, that sprint stage, but that was kind of hilly, so positioning can play a big role. And the peloton was kind of like 33 people, so... That's 33% into the peloton. I'm not sure if that's the best sprint in the world then, but I guess it's not terrible. No, I, I think you're right, and I, I'm incorrect. I think he's more, they're looking at him, he's like 190 centimeters more as a domestique for Florian Vermeersch in cobble races would make more sense. Uh, whereas like his teammate who went to B&B, who didn't get a World Tour deal uh, on Sport Vlandren and Balwaza, Jordi Wallop, is actually a little bit quicker. Um, I was actually quite surprised that they didn't pick him up and he went to B&B. Maybe he got a better deal there. I don't know. Uh, but the, I guess their, their highest profile signing, although I think the Arnaud Ali one is is the most talented rider and they should be very excited about him, is obviously Victor Campanaz. 30 years old. He reinvented himself maybe at a, not the best time. Uh, so he sh- <laughs> they might want him to focus on some TTs next year. He, uh, he was a TT-focused guy, became a classics guy, was good for Remco and the European champs. Road race, he even came 10th there after domestique work. Three-year deal at Lotto, stage in the Giro. But, um, yeah, what do you think his role will be here, Benji? Is, is it just the classics with Vermeesh? I think it's the classics. I saw a video uh, the other day where he spoke about what his favorite race was, and his response was interesting, and I kind of loved it. He had ambition and he said, uh, my favorite race is Duarte of London because I think I can win it. <laughs> and I love that sentence because I'm not kidding. He can, I think, with yeah. the qualities he has. But luck needs to uh, play a role in that. I think next to that, he's uh, Lotto is not the team that is going to easily win Paris-Roubaix. Obviously, they got second, so they almost did. <laughs> but looking at the team that they have, it's very hard to believe that that's going to happen second time in a row. Unless we see significant growth on Vermeers, because now people know that he exists and won't let him do what he did that easily. But they've got a stronger team surrounding him now. And that doesn't mean that Vermeers is always real leader. It depends on the situation. Campanards could go into an attacking move earlier on before we get to the Autoquadamon and Paltebergen RVV. And that way, 
do the Dylan Van Barla strategy that Van Barla usually does in an RVV, going early before the climb happens to kind of don't take the hit that the punchers are going to do on the climb. And uh, I think that's what Campanards is relatively good at. I think he can also be a, uh, a strong rider as in when they need pace somewhere, even if it's like one of the one of the guys pacing a train, for example, he can play that role. I think he can go into breakaways and a grand tour, all that combined. But I think they need to spend these riders that they are taking in all on like small races as well, because otherwise you won't get enough UCI points to save it. So uh, that's a bit of a, of a bummer on that area. Just don't use Campanas in the lead out train. No good for no. Nizzolo. Just don't use him in it. Just he. Use him in the way that he turned himself into at the end of the year, where he came third at, on GC at Benelux to a 260 UCI points. Like he just f- let him focus on what he's good at. I think so as well. Now, I think a signing that they could have used, but unfortunately wasn't available, but I do want to name it is that at Sport Vlaanderen, I think if Arne Marit was a rider that was available this year instead of next year, because he unfortunately for Lotto signed for two years at Sport Vlaanderen. That would be a rider that could fix the trouble they'd have as well, in the sense that he got top 160 at the UCI, uh, 118th at the UCI ranking of all riders in the world, Arnamaritz. And that guy won 1.0 Pro races this year ahead of Viviani, Grand Prix du Morbihan, for example. So that's a rider type that they could use in a transfer uh, that they don't have really here now. Rune Hergot, he's, he's, he's so yeah. good. Well, have you, have you pronounced his name like? One Ronde van der Rente, and the last race of the year, sixth at Crona de Nation. He sixth at Sparkas and Mustlangiro. I would have. He's maybe he's twenty three. Maybe he's got a world tour buyout. Just to add another Sport Vlander and Balwaz guy in the mix. Yeah, I think so as well. We also know that Gilbert's uh, retiring at the end of the season. Just want to drop that in to make sure that people are aware of that. So uh, yeah, what's our next step here? The next step is that the problem with these these transfers is they don't clearly fix the sprinting problem that they have, which is they have one main sprinter and Arne, they're now placing in a huge amount of pressure on Arnaud Dali to get points straight away. They've got two lead-out men, three really young, quick guys in their f- who are neo-pros and Victor Campanats from Quebec, who's a TT sort of maybe classics guy, still doing that transition. So they didn't really solve their problems with Denkov going out the door in terms of points with their transfers. So now we're going to, this is picking their team for what, what teams they should send to various races. And I even spoken to a lot of Sudal people there about this, about how they should structure it. I even picked out, if you saw it on Twitter, 25, one dot pro or one dot world tour or one dot one races you and could attend while still doing the UAE tour and tour de France to get the sponsors happy this year. And I don't know. I don't know how hard they're going to go at the point stuff. I know they're aware of it and the problems, but I would go personally. I would go really, really hard at it uh, as soon as possible. So, even starting, we don't normally do this, but the Mallorcan races, I would have. He probably will be. Wellens going there. Uh, he usually goes well in January and February, and trying to pick up as many points as possible with Andreas Krohn, who, when he did a one-one hilly race or one pro, actually straight out of Adesine, came fifth. So that's the sort of general focus. But Cobble Classics, Benji, the World Tour ones at least, what would your setup be for Lotto? I would include the riders we already named as the Cobble leaders, really. We've got a Vermeers that will do well on those races, or at least can fit on those races. I don't know if he will do well on those races. 
Accompanards can be uh, in that team quite definitely as well. Gilbert fits in that team. Frederic Frison is usually part of that team as well. Do we put Andreas Kron in those races knowing that he won a stage with a couple, I think, in Benelux store at some point? Or Balwaza? I don't remember. No, not setting him. He's focusing on other things for me. I'd have him focusing on other races. Yeah. Tim Wellens usually rides the bigger ones of the uh, Cobble Classics and then the Hill Classics afterwards, so I would do a similar combination there. Actually, Wellens wrote Omlop, Kurne, Strade, Milano Sanremo, Duarte, Ronde van Vlaanderen, Amstel, Flash, Liège, and Circuit de Wallonie just after that. Not Brabant Sapel. Uh, I would do Brabant Sapel as well this year. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to other people in the in the Cobble squad, let me take a quick look here. Hmm. Harry Sweeney. I would send. Okay. Why? I think I think he's got it. I just I think he'd be good at it. And they don't really don't really have much else. Let's be honest. Thirty nine for the Roubaix, yeah, I'd put him in there. You're right. Yeah. I think I think he'd be good at it. Uh but yeah, it's not a it's not that stacked, Bendy. Like do you honestly I mean Gilbert will probably go, you'd think, but do you think Florian Vermeesh, they just, you know, I know they extended him as a great second at Roubaix. Is it going to be a Sylvain Dillier type result? Or do you think he's a top tier cobbler? Or is he just more of a Roubaix guy and at RVV, Dwarves, Duachen, Babelham, Shelter Price, which was four DNFs in a row, he's not as good. I guess you do have the 16th at E3, which is encouraging. Yeah, exactly. It's that E3 that makes me think that it's not a a one-trick pony this one nonetheless i don't think it's going to be easy to uh do exactly the same next year again now people know who he is and he got that roubaix result by being in the breakaway beforehand not having to bridge the gap towards the breakaway so that's a significant benefit in that race yes it's still amazing what he did but you got to keep that in the back of your mind when judging the future because if he can't get in the breakaway in the next roubaix then he's gonna have to do that exact same attempt from the peloton and that's going to be a more difficult thing to do and i think he can definitely uh end up in a top 10 of a of a world tour classics i will not be calling him for a win yet dimitri kleis who was on quebec who's been on a one-year deal in the last couple of years and luckily got a deal with intermarche is a better classics rider than anyone on this team and he's belgian they didn't sign him he must have he must have offended somebody in Belgium for this man with his results to not be getting um, easily two-year deals. It, I, I just don't understand it. But good for Intermarche, I guess. Uh, yep. for, for the Ardennes, Andreas Krohn, I think, has to get a chance. He's just so good at uh, particularly like Brabant's. Um, maybe Sweeney. <laughs> I can't send him Sweeney to everything. Uh, Tim Wellens, of course. and. Harm van Hoeker, I don't know. They're not particularly deep. Yeah, Campenarts, Benji, or only a couple of them, like Brabants? Uh, Brabants, I would indeed do. I would not send him to LBL and so forth. That's for sure. I think his main focus needs to be the couple ones combining with Brabants. He got 17th there this year, and I think if he... Because, uh... like, we've... I feel like Campenarts grew in his classic season as well. At the start of the season, he was attacking at the most useless points 20 times per race. And by the end of the year, I feel like he somewhat knew when to spend the energy in a race. And if he can use that late part of the season and the goal season now, I think he'll make more decisive attacks than the ones he did at the start of uh, 2021 in the goal races. So I think we'll see a different company arts on the cobbles than we did the year before, quite certainly, because he's further into uh, his transformation. I'm not even sure that answered your question, but I said it anyway. 
How would you use Brent Van Moor? Cobble Classics, Ardennes, some of the misc ones, like send him to an E3 where maybe he's more likely to get away. How would you use Brent Van Moor? Kind of don't know because results-wise, he's not shining true as the best Classics guy. He looks like the guy that has a great engine and can get over hills and is pretty versatile. And those hills can include cobbles. He can also get over them, but not at the tempo of a puncher. And I don't know, perhaps going early with a Brent van Moer, going in a break like a Vermeers did at Roubaix, but in other races to make sure he's ahead so he doesn't have to follow the punchers in the peloton. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure either of them fit him perfectly, the Hill Classics and the Cobble Classics. No, he's, he's kind of looked like a Dechent profile at the moment yeah. in terms of what he focuses on. Same with like a Matthew Holmes as well, whereas Sweeney, I think there's a little bit more there to suggest he can be good in the Cobble Classics. I should say Milano Sanremo, obviously Ewan came second last year. He will be their focus in 2022 at Milano Sanremo to get a good result there. But yeah, they're, they're very, very light in the Ardennes, Benji. Um, I think they just got to hope for a top yeah. 10 at a few of the World Tour ones uh, as the best they can do because, yeah, they didn't even send Harald van Hoeker to any of them, actually. Yeah, and I think surprising. that the uh, years of Wellens throughout the last couple of years in the likes of an LBL, the likes of an Amstel and a, and a Flesh, he's not looking like he's going to get a majestic result at either three of them. He always kind of disappoints at them, I feel like, in recent years. So I don't expect that much from him in those races either. Like, I'm... I'm Scrolling back in the years, and I literally cannot find a top 10 in those races since 2018. So unless he finds the form of 2018 in which he got a 7th and an 8th, he's likely not going to top 10 those races either. Yep. So Ardennes, that's what it is. Giro d'Italia, I would send you and Benji for the first week. I would send you into the first week of all three Grand Tours and have him leave after the first also week. Also the Tour? All of them. First week. Well, it depends. Tour, now you can do the full Tour if he wants. He should do it yet. Ah, well, yeah, okay. If, if he wants. I don't really care. Um, I was going can't... the extreme way. I would have said, don't send him to the Tour, but for the image of the sponsor, that's probably nah, not likely. Nah. He has to go to the Tour. He has yeah. to go to the Tour. Otherwise, what would they even... Exactly. Uh, I would also, to the Giro, send Han van Hocker and try and get him to take a top 10 on GC, assuming that he can improve a little bit. And otherwise, I would feel honest. Honestly, what I would do is I would fill up their whole Giro team, apart from Han van Hocker and Ewan for the first couple of stages, who would go with uh, De Boist and uh, Zelig. I would then just fill it up with all the other missed guys who don't really do anything like Sylvan Monique and. Sebastian Grignard, and, and so that the other riders can target one 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 dot pro races that are on during the Giro. I think that we need to reestablish that our goal here is that if we send a full team of the riders that can get results at all these Grand Tours, in the sense of what usually happens at Lotto Sudal when it comes to results in Grand Tours then they're likely not going to make it in the UCI points ranking. So they need to reduce their strength in Grand Tours to focus on smaller races. We've said it quite a few times, and that's why I think you make that move, and I agree that that's a good move. And perhaps you can have a few riders in there that can hunt for stage wins, like a Kron can definitely go to a Grand Tour. No, no but no? no? Completely won their races the entire year? He's not going to be happy. 
I mean, is he happy in a pro Conti team? Ah, true. What's his contract looking like? No, he probably. Uh, He's see. gone at the end of the year. Does he oh, care? All right. Well, in that case, my wonder is trying to like send, send me send me the tour. I'm not doing anything below world yeah. tour level. <laughs> this is the problem they have, Benji. The motivation yeah. aspect. Yeah, because you know? Kron will want to have world tour races in his contract exactly. year to establish a contract for next year, so he doesn't <laughs> want to do those one dot one races. Exactly. That being said, you know, I would say if you look at riders out of contract. And riders getting good contracts, not very many riders with a thousand points or more uh, get left on the street. Let's just say that they get they get deals. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's the motivation. If you're Crone, you want to add a, a Grand Tour stage win to that Palmarès one before you get do the extensions or the re-signings. Like thirteen riders are out of contract at the end of the year. Half of them should leave anyway, and they shouldn't offer a contract to. But um, <laughs> Wellens, you know, Wellens is someone they should want to keep. But yeah, the Giro is one where I don't think it's as important for the sponsors. I mean, it's not even on freeware TV anywhere outside of Italy. I would make sure that they were sending good squads to Shell Price and other races, and they might not overlap exactly. But that's how I would approach it, and I'd get Han van Hocker to try and get a top ten on GC. Uh, that's I think my move. Tour de France, Benji, are you just sending? Full sprint train with Ewan? Yep. Gilbert. I would uh, say so. Gilbert? Uh, I personally wouldn't, but there's no way that Gilbert in the last year of his career doesn't want to do big races. He's already declared that he wants to uh, get big wins and not take easy wins. <laughs> I, I don't know what he was referring to because I don't think he has won anything in, in two years now. So I don't know which races would be easy wins at the moment, but I um I don't know. I think that he's never going to uh, want to do smaller races for UCI points in his last year of his career, personally. What about the? they got the cobble stages, some of the technical ones around Denmark, Benji, in the first week. Uh, sorry, and then the cobble stage. The Omer wanted to do the transition. Krohn, probably, he should do the tour. Definitely no zero Vuelta for Krohn. He's got to focus on Italian classes. But Krohn should do the tour. He should with Brent van Moor, Sweeney, Ewan... Uh, Campanarts, Campanarts get on that TT bike, that Ridley one that's probably pretty slow, and maybe try and take yellow. Not possible. Ah, cobble stage. Combine the cobble stage with the time trial, you think he has a chance. Exactly. What about Vermeer Spengi? Do you send him with that cobble stage? I guess you see how the first half of the season's gone. When it comes to Florian Vermeers, has he gone to a Grand Tour to the Vuelta this year? Was this his first Grand Tour? Yes, it was. I think that getting second in Roubaix, they're probably going to have him at a high note and that he probably had a pretty good negotiation position when it comes to his contract. And I think that he might go to the Tour de France as a consequence. Yep, I would agree. Uh, and I think it makes sense. So yeah, that's the sort of team I'd send. You've got, to, you've got the best lead out possible for you. And and like the hint helps with the lead out. He can chase down breaks, etc., not just be in them. So he's part of that lead out in, yep. in a way. Uh, the Vuelta... Again, I would send Ewan for like I would send Ewan just in uh, the Dutch stages, and then he wouldn't go. No. I wouldn't send him to actually Spain. He gets to stay in in the Benelux region. Um, <laughs> he just gets to have those two first sprint stages. Jesus, Marx is going to have a, <laughs> an annoying few weeks. Any <laughs> Marx triggered by this pod? <laughs> Seriously, that's, that's what I do. At this point, it'll it's actually it's like alarm bells at this point in the season. The Vuelta again, like. Is it as important? And I think they should be focusing on, you know, other more races. I'm not just saying this from a points perspective, but they should be focusing on Tour de Volony or, or Benelux Tour or 
other races like that, which are in their sponsors' region um, at that time. So, yeah, I would be sending a pretty weak squad to that Vuelta and just having Ewing go for a couple of stage wins. Yeah, I think so as well. When is the Benelux Tour? Is it like at the start of the Vuelta or at the end of the Vuelta? Because can can Ewan ask permission to the Vuelta after leaving the Vuelta after three days to ride Benelux Tour? No, that's how you do it. You you go to Maroveni and you go to, um, geez, I've forgotten his name, the Vuelta organizer, and you say, Caleb will come, but he's going to leave after X date and you need to, you know, basically give the blessing for him to do other races if they correspond to, yeah. if they are simultaneous. And if you say, if they say no, then say, well, no, Caleb, you want at your race. And yeah. I, think, I think they'll say yes. Merlier did a similar thing this year. Or uh, he, he had a stomach bug and then he raced Limburg, I think, like five days later uh, during <laughs> this year or something. Well, he did lose, so, or did he not? No, because Benet van Moer got sent the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, the Vuelta. In terms of Italian classics, I, which you know we don't often talk about, I'd be sending Wellens and Kron, and I yeah. think they can do very, very, very well there. But. Yeah, tough tough year ahead for for Lotto Sudal, balancing sponsor expectations with uh, their survival, and I guess the scrutiny that comes with where they are in the standings. Let's do their over unders first, Benji. Uh, which you know, you actually quite high usually their wins. Lotto Sudal, eight World Tour wins last year. In twenty twenty, they had a lot. Yeah, a lot as well. Like they win a lot of World Tour races, eight again, and in twenty nineteen. Which is the last normal year uh, before 2021, they had 12, including four TDF stages. So I'm setting the over under at eight and a half, taking the under. I'm taking the under because I don't trust Caleb Ewan's train. And if I trusted Caleb Ewan's train, I'd go above. I think Caleb will still take like four or five, but yeah, it's then where are the other ones coming from? Um, I don't exactly. Know. I don't know. Now, is the a question for you. Do you think that a lot of Sudal relegates at the end of the season? The thing is, they're so much more talented. They have so much more talent than Cofidis and Arkea. But not in the right areas to win 1.1 race. They, they do, one though. One they do. They, they just don't. They just haven't focused on it. And I just don't know how, to what degree they will. I, I do like the look of Arno Jolie. He looks because he's the type of rider you would send to those races and he looks like he looks very fast and you know but then it's, it's a big ask for him to be doing so well at them so early i don't know uh do i think they'll be relegated honestly i think most likely it's the uci like doesn't enforce it um but the answer is yes i do how realistic do you see that the uci after the last time they already postponed it does it again? I don't see that happening in other postponement. No, no, it it make an even bigger mockery of the whole system. Yeah. The thing is, like when I look at the teams like Cofidis, you know, they you look at their transfers, they bring Chimalai in. Like Chimalai is going to get more points, one would think, than Arno Delay. And they bring in Yoni Zagira, and it's like, well, he's a better GC rider than anyone on Lotto Sedal. He came yeah. third at Paris Nice, and, and he's he, aiming at top, top three for Paris Nice. Apparently, is that what he's doing? Yeah. So exactly. So he he knows. Okay, I'm, you know, Paris Nice get a top five or a top six, which is very good. He can go yeah. to Vuelta, get a top seven or something. They don't have that 
And even if Caleb hadn't crashed, that's only assuming he wins two TDF stages and maybe another like a Benelux stage or something. That's an extra three World Tour wins. They probably would have had an extra 500 points. They'd still be deep in the shit. So even with Caleb having a great year, Benji, they need Vermeer to like be the man and be like coming third at the Samin and, and doing well all Belgian one days. They need Gilbert to do really well in classics. They need Campanats to score over 1,200, 1,100 points. They need Krohn. Yeah. There's a lot of things they need to go their way. Yeah, I think so as well. And you talked about Chimulai, but Kokar came in as well at Kofidis. The likes of Akonsani is there as well. So those are three sprinters already that can do those kind of races that we are talking about. They've got a Benjamin Thomas who can also gain points here or there. Like, Guillaume Martin will likely hunt for top 10s at Grand Tours again for the Giro. That seems very likely, as he's saying, to go to the Giro and the Tour, which is a perfect combination for someone like Martin because... GC at the Giro, he can actually achieve or do well at, while at the Tour de France, not really, but it's for sponsor perspective. I believe that Kofidis has way better cards or way better, yeah, way better cards for this. Pitalagard in that team, that's a guy you don't hear named often, but the guy is 141st on the UCI World Ranking and does amazing at these 1.1 races, 1.pro races, and is one of those riders that is doing what's necessary for the team to stay in World Tour. And I believe that Lotto Sedal will drop out of World Tour. I know, and it's a shame because I don't I don't really think like, I, I think Lotto should be able to easily stay up when you look at their talent. Um but the problem as well, Benji, is that their top five or six is way better than the other teams in the fight. Way better in my view. But yeah. the drop the drop off is very, very steep where they yeah. have riders who provide well, even to Hent ben, uh, Benji, you know, fifty points. They have riders who provide nothing in that in that respect. Victor Vasheva, Vervlosum, Van Hills, Schwarzman and Selig probably won't. Monique, um, Kluger, Grignard, Frison. I know these guys are often domestiques. Um, like half the team, you're just like, nope, no chance. They'll provide any points. So that that's a big problem. I agree, and uh, I don't see them applying the right solution this year to fix it and that's where i think the issue lies i already think personally that if you put in a ideal solution that it's still going to be difficult because i i like the transfers of a coffee and so forth for this type of uh points hunting so i don't know they can stay up easy i've already i've mapped it out they could stay up so (laughs) easy um you just double stack at races you it'd be it would require a very big mindset shift but they sh- they should be able to stab easy but as benji said i don't think we have the confidence that that will happen and we're also not this is all well and good us on the outside talking about this you don't know what sponsors are saying you don't know what riders are saying like i yes i got a spreadsheet but i can't take the spreadsheet to a rider and be like hey i know you wanted to do these races this year but i've actually got you doing 30 one-day races and racing twice a week at a one-day race and sort of and that doesn't even work with like a performance peak and riders be like i'm not doing that and they won't be motivated so they're in a difficult bind uh but they're ex- they've been exciting benji and that they still yeah it would, it'd be a real shame that for a team that wins so much at world tour level yeah i think so as well but I ha- I'm of the opinion that we've seen Lotto Sudal, Lotto as a team, decline over the years. 
in the last couple of years. And I think one of the aspects is that a sponsor like Lotto is unable to give the amount of money that a sponsor like a UAE or a, an Ineos is bringing into the sport. And the gap is getting bigger and bigger. As a consequence, they are less likely to come on top unless they find an extra big sponsor. And Sudal was that for a bit. But Sudal is leaving now. They have no sponsor for Sudal at the moment that we know of. I am scared that Lotto Sudal will slowly but surely soften out and drop, drop, drop until they become a bit of a pro county Belgian development team. And I think I wouldn't even have an issue with that. I know. And as Benji said, like Reed Budgets, the inner ring wrote an article the other week about this because I think Lotto's budgets are public record in Belgium. 16 million euro, which sounds good, but then that's for the U23 team, the women's team and the men's team. So it's it's not really risen that much. It's not in the 20 million range that a lot of some of the other teams are in. That being said, you sign Gilbert to a three-year deal on that money at his age of quick step year then. I don't feel sorry for you. So, yep. you know, it's what, what was that thing I did last year? I have no money. I have no money. <laughs> I don't have so much money. Just replay that again because, yeah, I don't want to hear no complaints about money. Um don't sign guys off a career year or a monument win at quick step at 37 years old to a three-year deal for yeah. seven, seven figures. General rule of thumb. Um, yeah, exactly. I agree with that. And uh, I don't think we had any great foresight when that signing happened. Uh, so, uh, yeah, in all honesty, wait a second. When did he win Robert? <laughs> when right. did he win Roubaix? In 2019, did he not? Solo did he do it at Lotto Sudel or not? No. What do you no, mean? No, he didn't. Okay, he didn't. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Mate. I was checking for a second. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was a quick step. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That's, that was a lot of Sudal preview. Best of luck. You know, I hope all the new people coming in, like Alan Davis and and the new riders, uh, the young guys are really talented. It's just uh, an unfortunate time in, in Lotto Sudal's three-year cycle. But they might turn it around and they could get a lot of wins me back on track. And I do think some of the... Australians should be keeping a close eye on this team with the likes of you and Sweeney and Dresners. But until the next one, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 